Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. As you may realize, California is a very interesting place to be defending religious freedom in a deep blue legislative climate. Our guest today to talk about some of the current challenges that we're seeing, uh, challenges that may come to a state near you in due course. Uh, Ned DeLessi is the executive director of the California Catholic Conference and my friend and colleague of many, many years. Ned, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thank you, Alan. It's good to be back with you. It has been a while, hasn't it? Uh, not well. It's been a while that you and I have worked together. That's for sure. Civil liability, uh, Assembly Bill thirty-one twenty. Tell us uh, what kind of mischief they're up to with this bill. Well, um, AB 3120 is uh, a bill that, as it's currently amended, it would reopen a statute of limitations uh, retroactively forever for victims of sexual abuse, uh, and this be allow the victims to sue the employer who knew or should have known uh, that the abuse was taking place. And uh, it also prospectively changes the age from 26 and three years delayed discovery to age 40 and a five-year delayed discovery, and then it puts in treble damages. And uh, this would deal with all employers except the state of California. Um, and it's hard to be against that bill because obviously everyone's in favor of the victims having appropriate healing and restitution when something like this takes place. Our contention is that uh, the legislature opened a window in 2003, uh, back forever, and uh, at that point, you know, thousands plus people came forward and were settled by ourselves as the Catholic Church and many other employers. And now the legislature wants to go back and reopen that window, plus with treble damages. And that, you know, it was represented to us in, in 2002 when that bill passed that this was a one-time window that was being opened. And so ourselves included came to the table and, and, you know, negotiated in good faith between 2004 and 2007 and settled all those cases. And we continue to settle cases that come sure. forward. You know, to reopen it back is just, uh, you know, way too much. And talk of treble damages then discriminates against victims. It says, well, if you didn't come forward then, but you come forward now, we'll give you treble damages. You know, it, it, there's just a, a blatant uh, unfairness about it. Uh, you know, while all of us are sympathetic and want victims to get healing, there's a blatant unfairness about this. You know, um, in all of our discussion of rights, I know currently there's a lot of heat around the discussion of gun rights. And there's very little understanding, I think, that there is always a balance. Nothing is absolute. Of course, the churches are at the forefront of advocating for the protection of children and of yes. taking steps to protect against child abuse. Our Seventh-day yes. Adventist Church is doing that. The Roman Catholic Church that you represent is certainly at the forefront of making changes in this regard. But we need to also understand statutes of limitations. There's a reason we have them. They're constitutionally mandated. If somebody comes forward and says, 40 years ago, uh, you know, the priest or the rabbi or the minister abused me, the guy's probably dead. There's no way to defend. This is not, you know, this is not how we run a legal system. 
So it's not the balance that you speak of, and you know the uh, the purpose of a statute of limitations is obviously not to curtail the victim's ability to come forward to give a responsible time for that, but also to balance the the defendant's ability to uh, you know to defend themselves. If you can't find any witnesses and there's no records, you know you're you're at the mercy of whatever the person says. And right. in law, we try and find that balance. And and Governor Brown, uh, the last time they tried this in 2013, vetoed it uh, with those exact comments that, you know, there needs to be a balance, prospective statute of limitations and retroactive statute of limitations, there need to be a balance that respects the ability of the defend themselves and the, gives the victim a responsible opportunity to come forward and make their claim. You noted in this case that it doesn't apply to the state of California, but it does apply to state and local governments, to schools. And I suspect this bill may be a case of be careful what you wish for, you may get it, because, of course, there are, you know, a hundred times more kids interacting with government institutions in the public sector and public schools and all. And I suspect the uh, financial hit to uh, the government and the taxpayer is going to greatly exceed that to the church. But let's move yeah, right along. Yeah. Uh, if and we let me end that for our listeners to make sure they understand. I mean, we're opposed unless they amend that bill. All we want is the amendment that basically says it respects the previous 2003 window and says people who, you know, who didn't file previous to that time should not be allowed to file now. That's, you know, already, you know, 15 years plus at that time they had 26. So people are 40 years or older over you know, and uh, they should have filed at that time. And so we're asking, put the state in and go back to January 1st, 2004, and you can open a window back all the way back to there for all employers, and, and we should step up and come to the table. Interesting. Okay. Assembly Bill 2943, another little uh, fine piece of mischief. Uh, tell us about this one. Another gem. Um, this bill uh, by Assemblymember Lowe from Campbell, California, um, an openly gay man, head of the Gay and Lesbian Caucus here, uh, is definitely concerned about uh, what he experienced as sexual orientation therapy when he was growing up and uh, the traumatic impact it had on him. So he wants to uh, ban that in California. And, you know, that issue has been dealt with once in California in 2012 with SB 1172. And in that bill, they addressed it in the professional code of California, and they banned sexual orientation change therapy. And that would include things like electroshock and behavior modification, things like that, which the profession has said are not appropriate. Unfortunately, Mr. Lowe has done two things with this bill. One, he has uh, ill-defined it as sexual orientation change efforts, which affect all kinds of counseling and interactions with people, you know, both personal and religious, and uh, has not been as specific in it as he was in the ther- as the legislature was in the therapy piece. The second, what I would consider mischievous piece, is the use of the consumer code. He wants to describe it as fraud, and uh, once you put it in the consumer code of California, the one that protects us as consumers, you allow the consumer attorneys to sue people who would be so-called guilty of fraud. Um, this is particularly troubling because, uh, you know, it's it's an issue that if there's a public safety concern, it should be dealt with in the safety code. If there's a professional, you know, licensing issue and it shouldn't be licensed professionally, then define it and put it in the licensing code. But to use the consumer code begins to strike at using ideology, you know, at using the consumer code to protect ideology. Okay, we've got to back up here because I think, you know, I don't want to lose our listeners in terms of what it is that is problem. You know, we're not just talking about counseling. I mean, the real problem is not just the routine counseling of, of 
people who may be struggling with their sexual desires or their sexual identity. We're talking about very specific therapies that are really harmful. Uh, you said the aversion therapies, behavior modification things that, you know, using shock treatment and things that are really, really harmful stuff. Now, if I heard you correctly, you said that in the earlier bill, this has already been defined as something that professional licensed counselors are not permitted to engage in. The sexual orientation change therapy. Right. So what this bill has is sexual orientation change efforts. Efforts. Right. So I want to make it that's, clear. That's the distinction here. If he had said, you know, we're banning therapies, then he would have to be dealing with this in the professional code or the health and safety code. But he's saying we're banning sexual orientation change efforts, and he's using the consumer code, will now be used to, you know, basically sue for people for fraud if they're engaged or advertising that they're trying to assist people with sexual orientation change efforts. So if gay kids who grew up in the church, your church or mine or any church or any faith, Jewish, Muslim, you name it, and they're taught you know, what we would call conservative family values about marriage and all, and they're struggling with their sexual identity, and they go to a, a counselor of their same faith, they can't talk to them really about their sexual identity struggles and how to reconcile their desires and their faith without running afoul of this law. They're going to is, be deprived. That is, that is correct. And that's a violation of people's individual rights, you know, to seek the counseling that they feel that they deserve. The other piece of that is it's a potential violation of the counselor's religious rights. You know, if they're both Adventists and they're, you know, and the Adventist church has their particular position, if you offer that service, you could be sued for fraud. So those who are aware of this bill have seen the opposition tout this as a ban the Bible bill. So that may be, you know, good to get people's attention, but is it really a ban the Bible bill? You know, from my estimation and from my attorney's estimation, no. You know, this has to do with, in the consumer code, the financial exchange. And some people are saying, well, if I sell a Bible and the Bible, you know, is not in favor of homosexuality, then, um, you know, so I could sue that, you know, the seller of that Bible. You know, in my opinion, I think that's an over-argument. I think it's much more to do with the actual counseling and the efforts that people put into it rather than the religious speech that, uh, you know, that the Bible would entail. And so uh, my attorney and ourselves feel that that's an overreach by some of our colleagues who are opposed to the bill, but I think are exercising a little bit more alarm. We prefer to make a, a more reasoned argument than that, and uh, I think there's a, there's a substantial, serious argument for people to consider. So, you know, we only have a, about three minutes left, Ned, and I think it's pretty clear from the kinds of issues that we've discussed and what our listeners probably know in the past, there's been in the last generation a historic uh, kind of um, alliance between conservative Protestants and Catholics on policy issues in the United States. There's, you know, some formal uh, documents and what have you that were produced. But as I've become more acquainted with your work and, uh, and the Catholic legislative agenda, it strikes me that there are also some very significant differences between what we think of as the religious right policy uh, priorities and uh, the kind of overall balance we find within Catholic policy. And I'd like you to take a, a minute or two and highlight 
how you see the Catholic approach to policy differing from what we know of the Protestant priorities? Sure. Uh, You know, I think uh, two comments I would offer. One is that, uh, you know, we may share similar goals and underlying similar values um, in terms of how we would value freedom, how we would value life, how we would value community, how we would value health, et cetera. Um, and religious liberty and, and, you know, individual rights, et cetera. So we share some of those same values um, and some of those same perspectives. Um, we root that sometimes in our experience of the gospel and our experience of, of the, you know, the, the faith as it's lived out in the world. I think uh, two unique different for Catholics that, you know, our Protestant brothers and sisters sometimes uh, join us with and sometimes uh, challenge a bit is the, uh, the question of tradition. The Catholic Church has a tradition of what we call Catholic social teaching, which is building on itself over the centuries in terms of how we apply the gospel to the vagaries of particular times and moments. And we have a tradition to turn to, and that tradition helps inform some of our approaches. We also have a history of what we call faith and reason. And so, yes, we bring a perspective of faith, but we also respect the dialogue that goes on, the reason that is behind the democratic experience here, and the requirement to, you know, to argue from a reasonable standpoint when we're stepping in. Our faith still informs us, and we're not going to back away from that, and we're going to share that, but we have an obligation to share it in a way that can be understood by others and to use the, the reason uh, that, you know, presents itself at this moment in time. So sometimes, you know, we separate ourselves and we, you know, on the last issue we just talked about, we have, uh, you know... You know Sorry, but I, I got to cut you off because we're out of time. And I'd like to have another whole discussion about sure. social justice and social policy, which is where I, I thought you might go. But uh, well, social teaching and social policy, we'd love to do that. That would be cool. We'll have to do that again. So as we close, we remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, yes, we don't just talk to talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. And listen to Freedom's Ring on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And don't forget, friend, freedom is not free. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinhardt. Until next week, let freedom ring.